The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the sixth chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. Jesus said, Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. He also told them a parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, Brother, let me take out the speck that is in your eye, when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, O Christ. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Imagine for a minute that you were walking down the street one day in the city. It's a nice, beautiful day, and the sun is shining, and the birds are chirping, and everybody's out uh, busy with their various activities. You're walking down the street, and... At last, you come to a crosswalk, so you've got to stop for a minute and wait for the light to turn so you can cross the street. And you're kind of making small talk. There's a nice lady next to you. You're making small talk about how nice the weather is and what a beautiful day it is and all of that. And then, all of a sudden, out of the blue, somebody comes barreling in from behind you and shoves this lady and takes the purse right off her shoulder and goes tearing across the street, dodging through the cars and is on down through the other block. And you, just like everybody else, you pause for a minute and you step back and you, you kind of look around trying to decide whether there's something you should do or what you can do to help. And as you're looking around, you notice that on your other side, there's a police officer standing right there. And you think to yourself, this is fantastic. This is going to be great. <laughs> I'm going to get to watch this police officer chase down this thief. What a fool he was to think that he could just take this purse off of this woman's shoulder and get away scot-free. And as you're thinking all this through in your mind, you look again at the police officer and you notice he's not doing anything. He's just standing there, not moving a muscle. Maybe he's checking his watch or looking at his phone, waiting for the light to turn just like you are. He's not doing anything about this criminal. And so you react, obviously. Shouldn't you be doing something? Did you see that? Shouldn't you go after him? Chase him! A police officer looks at you and he kind of pauses for a minute and thinks about it. And he says, yeah, yeah, you know, I saw that. That was, that was something, wasn't it? But, you know, it's not really any of my business, is it? After all... Who am I to judge in this situation? Who am I to judge? It's ridiculous, isn't it? It'd be ridiculous to hear a police officer say about a criminal, who am I to judge? It's the business of a police officer to make judgments about crime, about what's right and wrong, and to stop somebody who is committing a crime. And that's not true just of a police officer, or true of any authority. This is the business of authority to make judgments about what's right and wrong. So imagine a parent, for instance, who sees their child with a hand in the cookie jar and says, who am I to judge? Right? That wouldn't work out very well at all. That house would be turned upside down in a moment. The point I want you to see here is very simply that judging, judgment, is a good thing. 
making judgments is a good thing, at least of a certain kind. That's especially true when authorities make judgments. That's their job, to make judgments. But it's also true among peers. So think about the kinds of judgments that you ought to make about your neighbors, about strangers even. Think, for instance, of the story of the Good Samaritan. So the Good Samaritan story involves this fellow who was taken by robbers and left for dead on the side of the road. And you remember the priest and the Levite walk by on the other side of the road saying what to themselves? Probably something like, that's not any of my business. Who am I to judge in this situation? But the Good Samaritan, he comes along and he looks at this fellow and what does he do? He judges his need. He looks at him and says, this fellow needs help. He makes a judgment and then acts based on that judgment. If he wasn't willing to make a judgment, if he said to himself, it's none of my business, who am I to judge, he would never have helped this poor person in need. Again, the point is very simple, that sometimes judgment is good. And I want you to see that because this verse that we hear in our gospel lesson this morning, judge not and you will not be judged, that's got to be one of the most misquoted verses in the Bible. It's quoted against Christians all the time, as though Jesus was saying there is never, at any point in time, ever any cause for judging. That's not what Jesus is saying. And you can see clearly that there are times when judgment is warranted. But the world likes to use this against Christians. So you've heard it in situations where there's like a moral sort of hot button kind of an issue, anything having to do with sexuality or something really, uh, really scandalous, something difficult for people like abortion, for instance. What is the thing that people say about this? They say, it's none of your business. Who are you to judge? What a person does with their life, with their body, in their home, what does that matter to you? It's none of your business. Who are you to judge? So this verse is often used simply to show or to argue that there's no such thing as right or wrong, that there's no such thing as true or false, that it's nobody's business at all whether there's any wickedness or righteousness in the world. That's not what Jesus means. He doesn't mean that we should just overlook wrongdoing, that we should just overlook falsehood, that we shouldn't care about wickedness. Instead, here is what Jesus means. He means that you are not God. You are not God. So judgment is part of the business of people who are in authority, and we are right to make judgments in our lives, but we are not God. Now that should be obvious, but it's very tempting for us, like Adam and Eve in the garden, to want to be in the place of God. But here's what happens. If you think of yourself as being in God's place when you make judgments, in the first place you forget very, very quickly that you are made of the same stuff as everyone else. So the sin and the wrongdoing and the wickedness that you see in other people's lives, the lies that they believe, the falsehood that they propagate, that all stems from the same place that you have inside of you, a sinful heart. You're made of the same stuff as everyone else. You are not God. You are no better than anyone else. But if we put ourselves in the place of God, thinking that we can judge as God judges, we quickly forget, immediately. It's instinctive. We forget that we are just like everyone else. And as a result, we act with no pity. We are merciless. So think about the story from last week with the Pharisees who were grumbling because Jesus was eating with sinners and tax collectors. They were grumbling because they thought that these people were too bad for the kingdom of God. They looked at them and they judged them correctly. They said, yes, their lives are terrible. They have no business in the kingdom of God. But then the Pharisees proceeded to put themselves in the place of God. 
and they judged God's love and found it to be wanting. They looked at these people and said, they are beyond hope, beyond recovery, when in fact, what did Jesus do? He ate with them. He forgave them. They listened to his words and believed them. If we put ourselves in the place of God, like those Pharisees did, then we also find ourselves exercising no pity. We find ourselves extending no mercy. And often that's on account of the fact that we like to feel better than other people. This is often the basic problem, right? When you hear somebody talk about judging, they usually say, who do you think you are? You think you're better than me. And often we do. When we put ourselves in the place of God, it's because we want to think that we are better than other people. Another way to look at this, another way to look at the problem here is to think about a situation in a home with lots of children, and I'm not talking about my home in particular here. But it often happens that when you have an older sibling and a younger, younger sibling, you often hear that older sibling acting as though he is mom or dad. Okay, so you'll hear that older sibling say something like this to his younger brother, if you don't cut that out, you're going to get a spanking. And of course you hear that and you say, That's, no, nope, not your job. You're not, your job is not to discipline your younger sibling. That's not your position at all. Who do you think you are trying to discipline your younger, younger sibling? Of course, you can see the problem there, right? This child, who will remain nameless, thinks that he is in the place of mom or dad. And the problem there is he's forgotten quickly. He's forgotten quickly that he is in no position to render that kind of judgment, in no position to deliver sentences. But here's what's great about this example, because, of course, that does not mean that an older brother should not look out for his younger brother, should not care what that younger brother does. So what should an older brother do when he sees his younger brother doing something naughty? Well, he shouldn't try to deliver sentences and punishment, right? What should he do? He should warn out of love. If he loves his brother, he will try to prevent his brother from getting in trouble. He will show him that what he's doing is dangerous and is going to lead to consequences that he does not want. That's how love acts in judgment. And this is a key difference between putting ourselves in the place of God and judging out of love. So if you put yourself in the place of God, we are so tempted easily, so quickly tempted, to delight in the wrath that is poured out on sinners. So there's this great story that, Jesus, that happens with Jesus as he's walking down the road one day. He goes into a Samaritan town, and he tries to preach to them, and they reject him. They won't hear him. And as he's leaving the town, two of his disciples, who are known as the sons of thunder, you can tell what kind of people they are, the sons of thunder, they say to Jesus, that was terrible. They rejected you. What would you like us to do? Would you like us to call down fire from heaven on these people? And of course, Jesus wants no such thing. He wants no such thing. He wants his disciples and all of his children not to delight in God's wrath that is poured out on sinners, but rather in love to warn, to encourage, to show mercy, extend forgiveness, something that is foreign to the world, something that the world does not understand, that is what God wants his children to do. And that is the kind of judgment that people should render, that we should render. We should look around in our lives and not delight in seeing the potential for God's wrath to be poured out on people, but we should look around in our lives and see the need to hear of God's mercy, the love poured out on account of Christ. So where do you begin? How do you do this? That's a really important question, not just when it comes to judging, but in the whole Christian life. The question of where you begin is most important. You always begin with the mercy from God that you yourself have received. There's a verse that comes just before our gospel lesson. 
the verse just before goes like this. Love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the ungrateful and evil. That is your starting place. For while you were yet ungrateful and evil, God was kind to you. While you were yet a sinner, deserving God's wrath, he poured out mercy on you in baptism, washing away all your sins, covering you in Christ's righteousness. On the cross, while you were still heaping judgment on him, Christ suffered for your sins. That is your starting place. When you start with God's mercy, you cannot help but be merciful in return. And this is the next verse, the verse that begins our gospel lesson. Jesus said, be merciful. How? Even as your Father is merciful. That is our starting place. With the mercy that we have received from God. And in receiving that mercy, in attending to that mercy, in devoting ourselves to it, keeping our eyes fixed on it, how can we not have hearts of mercy towards sinners around us who are in desperate, desperate need? So, of course, we shouldn't just overlook sin and falsehood and wickedness, but we shouldn't also call down hellfire from heaven. We should extend mercy. We should show the heart of God to those around us. This is the most important job that a Christian has. You exhibit Christ in the world. When people see you, what they should see is the love of God for them in Christ Jesus. When they see you, when they hear your words, when they receive forgiveness and mercy from you, they see the heart of God. Joseph is a great example of this. That's why we have him for our Old Testament lesson. You remember what his brothers did to him. They mistreated him. They sold him out. They betrayed him. It was a terrible situation, and he had every right to be indignant, and that's what they expected. They thought that he was, as soon as their father was dead, they thought that he was going to unleash fury on them. And so they came to Joseph, and they told this tale. Dad said that you shouldn't punish us. He said that you should forgive us. But what did Joseph say? He ignores all of that. It makes no difference to him. He says, do not fear, for am I in the place of God? In everything that Joseph had suffered, in everything that he experienced in his life, he could see clear as day that his life was punctuated by God's mercy, that at every turn God's provision was there, caring for him. How could he do anything else except for extend that same mercy and provision to the people around him? Am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant it for evil against me, but God meant it for good. Notice that he doesn't just overlook it. He calls the thing what it is. You meant it for evil. You were wicked. But God is greater than your wickedness. He meant it for good. To bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. Joseph can extend mercy to his brothers, even to those who are his closest enemies. There's no pain greater than being betrayed by a loved one, a brother. But he extends mercy to them because he knows that he has received mercy from God. So judge not. These are Jesus' words for you. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Instead, what should you do? Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over will be put into your lap. The mercy that you received at first in baptism and the forgiveness of sins will abound as you extend mercy to those around you in the world because of Christ's love for them. To him be all glory now and forever. 
May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.